welcome to the Don't Break the Oath podcast. Welcome. Right, uh, before we get into today's interview, which was with, with Colin Keatley and Paul Sinclair about UK Dogman, yeah. which I think you really enjoy. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. It's fantastic. Um, obviously, if you've got a Dogman story and you want to send it to us, then just go to the website or email us, uh, dbtopodcast at gmail.com. You can find it on the, web, uh, on the website. Yep. Also, for those who don't know, the website is just don'tbreaktheoathpodcast.com. Um, don't go on the Podomatic one, that's not ours. A little bit of housekeeping for you, Stat. Just wanted to say a big thank you to Rad. Yeah, thanks, for, Rad. For buying a T-shirt. Um, obviously, if you want a T-shirt, go on the website, email us, whatever. And what else do we need to talk? Oh, yeah, so we're going to add the... Um, a new kind yeah, of... Yeah, a little yeah, section to the show, yeah, won't we? New section to now, the show. Now, yeah, if you're familiar yeah. with Family Guy... You will know that there was a section on there called... What, ga- what grinds my gears. Yeah, and if you're in the UK, you will know about this uh, show that we have over here, what's called Room 101, where you you know dump something every week you, d- you don't, yeah. don't agree with. And um, anyway, this came up in conversation. We were talking about something. We thought it might just put it on here just to see um, how you guys feel about it. We haven't got a name for this section yet, other than what pisses me off at the moment. Um, that's how it came about. But if you've got anything, uh, if you've got any names, you can send them to us. Go to the Paranormal Hangout on Facebook. That's probably the easiest place to send it or email us. Isn't you? Um, if you've got any suggestions, that things yep. that you want us to talk about, then then send them along. But um, right, let's get into that then before we get into the news. So the first thing is this comes from a listener, Sam Lowe. She yep. said the first thing that pisses her off is when people tell her that she's going to regret her tattoos and piercings when she gets older. Piercings not so bad, is it? Because you can take them out. Yeah, you know, but well, the, the tattoo's permanent, so we'll go for well, tattoos. Well, you can, you can actually get it lasered off, can't you? So you can, but it costs this, a lot of money. I suppose. This, you know, idea that you're going to regret. You know what I mean? Like, because you don't. Like most people don't go and get a tattoo unless they're some of the the one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I like mean, it's yeah. m- most tattoos, I think, to people uh, mean something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it they mean some something sort of to you. Meaning, you know? yes. Like so my wife has got some tattoos, but she's got tattoos of uh, not no pictures. It's just names of her children, grandchildren. You know. Yes, you've well, yeah, <laughs> you know, so I've got to take my phone number on there, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, if you found me, I am lost. Yeah, oh, she won't <laughs> but, be lost, uh, mate. Yeah. So. But, um, but, yeah, that, that yeah. sort of shit, yeah. yeah. I, I get this a lot, like I say, a lot of old people say to me, oh, you're going to regret that when you're older, and I say, you know, this is the only thing that I'll be taking with me when I die, Yeah, you know? So, well, I won't regret it. Right, so what pisses you off? Well, quite a lot, really. Where do I start? We've, for, we've only got an hour and ten minutes, yeah, haven't we? Not just mind. One, for, one for today. Uh, well, okay. Uh, I think what pissed me off uh, last week, uh, those new pictures came on from the a new building from the Vatican. Um, it's like a uh, an extension on today. It's like an auditorium, you know, where the old Pope comes in and you know does his stuff. And I, I was amazed that people, no people, could look see this, and and it was it was in the shape of a lizard, you know, it had the eyes oh, yeah, and all that stuff, and it. And I, I was looking at these comments. Oh, it's fantastic! It looks hot. And I thought, what? Can't you, can't you see? You know, he's actually. Uh, it, it, it depicts, you know, these reptiles. It's all reptilian. And I'm thinking, what's the, the Vatican doing with reptiles? You know, and and people going, oh, it's fantastic. And I thought, oh god, you know, people, quite a lot of people live in a bubble and they can't see the wood from the trees. But that's what that what pisses me off. You know. Um, well, do you know what pisses me off? Go on. And. I don't know if it's just me getting old or what, but it's grown men dry, riding bicycles, right? Right. One, making fucking noises. So, just for example, I came out of the, sh- the shops the other day, just walking you know, back to the car, 
shopping bags and this guy came whizzing through all the people you know and he was actually going meow, meow, meow. how old was he he was about 35 oh, well. and he was going he was going through you know baseball cap on and trackies and all that shit proper chav going through <laughs> meow, meow, meow. and i just thought fucking grow up and then i turns onto my street yeah it was just good though about some people but then, yeah, I ter- I then i turned onto my street and there's a guy going down, shirt off, you know, it's pissing down on yeah, you know, one yeah. of these cunts, like, going down, his shirt off, trackies on, and all that, baseball cap, and then he's going down, doing unhanded. A grown man again, you know, yeah, going along, doing yeah. unhanded. I mean, and then yeah. again, you, you'll see him every now and again doing wheelies as well. I mean, mm. I'll, I'll, I mean, I don't know if it's just because you're on a bike, and it's just like, oh, I'm on a bike, I need to do a wheelie. or do Yeah, I'm most of the people you find out are like these, either, you know, vicars or bank managers, you know, <laughs> I mean, you think, you think they're nuts, they're nuts. but then just... next time you see them in the office, they've got tight all the suits on, you yeah. know, really kind of looking official. Well, that, that pisses me off. Grown men yeah. doing wheelies on fucking bicycles. Grow up. Oh, well. Right, so uh, that's that. So let's get on with, uh, with the, the show. Interview. Right, and there is a little bit at the end of the interview, um, some some dogman, alleged dogman noise uh, it, sounds. It, I tell you, I've listened to this, and it's re- it really kind of freaks you out because yeah. it's like you know it, it doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. You know, like a wolf or uh, mm. so anything we'll, like that. We'll play that at the end for you, and then yeah. you can leave us your comments. Yeah, uh, as as you wear it. Right, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. So we start by asking Colin about his experiences. Uh, well, basically, uh, I was into Bigfoot since I was 14. Uh, I've always uh, followed the these type of sightings, especially, you know, obviously, in America. Um, then I, I started hearing about sightings in the UK. Then it started getting onto the dog man. Uh, I just started following certain things online. Then I had an encounter. Uh, a couple, well, I had a first encounter in 1990 with something. Uh, it was definitely a dog stood stood upright. Then I've had another one since, and I started to investigate it. Then I went public uh, about two or three years ago. That's when I met Paul. Uh, and it's just gone from strength to strength, really. And Paul? I was researching for a book and looking at big cats uh, that weren't native to the UK, obviously, and this story of Flixton Werewolf kept cropping up. So I started researching it. I didn't really think I was going to spend that much time on it, if I'm being truthful. And the more I looked into it, the more I realised that there, were so- there was something to this story, so much so that I ended up devoting a massive section of book to the Flixton Werewolf. And it sort of grew and it sort of stretched to Dane's Dyke which is about 11 miles away and then if you go up coast a little bit you, you actually enter the Barmston drain which runs out onto the beach obviously at Barmston so it has all sorts of connotations and links to this Barmston drain thing as well You just and then if you go further up coast you've got reports up at uh, Ravenscar and Sands End of a large dog so it, I don't know there's something to it and like I've always said, and I said the same to Colin, uh, we, we've all got slightly different views on exactly what it is, and I won't argue with anybody's views because I don't know. My, my own personal opinion is it's not flesh and blood, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm happy to be told different. It don't don't bother me if somebody else thinks something different. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, if you told me that a few weeks ago, I would have said you're talking bollocks. But the more I look into this, and the more stories I hear. The more I'm coming round to that way of thinking, you know, that they are maybe more than just flesh and blood. 
Yeah, Paul. Um, yeah, there's been loads of stories, uh, loads of stories of these dogmen uh, being shot, some at close range and with no effect. So if it was a physical, really, creature, I mean, you know, you would have took it down. So, you know, there's definitely some hint to that, isn't there? Well, don't that surprise you? When, not, not surprise you, because you lads are on the same page as, as what I'm on, the sounds of it. And uh, I don't know Colin's views entirely. We, you know, we, we don't seem to... We, to have that many disagreements but doesn't that surprise you when these these hunters who are experienced men are telling you what they've shot it with you know a, a, a 30 yard six center mass would normally drop a bear would normally drop an elk and this thing's just standing there i mean it's kind of you're scratching your head you're thinking to yourself that they're either embellishing story a little bit and or, or and, and i don't want to cause conflict because they're probably really genuine guys or we're dealing with something else and native american indians are quite happy to believe that the skinwalker is a creature that can live between two worlds uh not many a lot of people might not be able to get their head around that then fair dues to them they might be talking saying i'm talking a load of by saying it's something else but yeah colin where do you stand on this uh, creature as being like supernatural or maybe just a physical creature you know what's your views on it mate me and Paul do have uh, different views, but we don't condemn people for their views. Uh, I think it's totally flesh and blood, but there again, I'm open-minded. You've shown me some evidence of it being extraterrestrial or supernatural, and I'll I'll click that way. But uh, at the moment, I think this thing is flesh and blood in some form or other. But yeah, yeah. Uh, sightings, as far as sightings go, I've had two. Uh, don't know about the first one. Yeah, fire away. Excuse me, I've just uh, had to go. I've got that many sheets of paper and stories and documents. It's unbelievable. Um, my first one was in actually nineteen ninety. It was on the fourth of uh, October, and uh, I was hitchhiking to Hornsey, uh, where where I live near Hornsey now. And uh, it was about after seven, eight o'clock at night, and uh, I could hear something coming down this edge. I was walking on the road, obviously. I'll cut, like I say, I'm cutting this story along short, really. And uh, I could see under the edge. And I kept thinking, is it a cow? And it was, it was a full moon. That's the ironic thing about it. It was a, I was, which I was glad of, to be honest, because it was pitch black. Otherwise, usually is down there. So I was quite glad of the full moon. Uh, and I kept thinking, what is it, a deer? And I couldn't work it out. And I kept thinking, is it a dog? Anyway, luckily, a friend pulled up in a car and... Uh, when I got in the car, I just glanced around because there was a gate hole. We'd, we'd perch up to a gate hole, and there was this thing stood there. I just couldn't believe what I was saying. I kept saying to me, hey, do you see that? Do you see that? And uh, he says, oh, Colin, you're imagining it. <laughs> but that's that's cutting a real long story short, but I had a lot of problems with that. Did your friend see it? No, he didn't see it. He didn't actually look. So what sort of size are we talking about? Uh, roughly around about six feet, roughly. Was it on all fours, or was it...? Bipedal. It was definitely stood up right. Did you uh, feel any fear? Because that's common with these creatures. Did you feel any fear afterwards? or? Uh, to be honest, it didn't really affect me for at least a few weeks, but I, I started having nightmares, and they must have lasted for about nearly two years. Uh, I mean, I was married then, I'm divorced now, but um, I kept waking up some nights screaming, sweating. It really did affect me. I think that's really kicked it off then. When I started looking into things a bit more, but uh, when you say but, it affected you, Colin, you, did did you think that uh, 
it, 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 it were fully aware of you? And did it, were it the fear that you thought afterwards? Bloody hell! Like I think I mean it was definitely following me, Paul. I mean yeah. I think we've discussed this one before, but yeah, it was definitely following me down the edge. And like I say, if my mate didn't turn up, I don't know what would have happened. Do you but, think it was uh, taunting you? Because so many people come out with these stories. Oh, they tried window uh, door handle, or it tapped on window. And yeah, I say. I mean, I, I mean, I've submitted quite a few stories, and I uh, like that. We I've had that guy in that caravan that was it kept tapping on the side and on the door. And when he opened the door. Doesn't that imply out. implies a different kind of intelligence to a normal animal, though? Doesn't it? Of course, it, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I... Yeah. Well, um, do you think these uh, creatures uh, the feed of fear? You know, because I've ever uh, made many accounts of them. You know, these creatures. You know that they uh, a lot of people are frightened before these creatures turn up. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. But that's, just... uh, sorry, Paul. No, fire away, Colin. I'm interested. It's good. I mean, really, if they wanted to get in a caravan, I mean, they'd just rip the place apart. I mean, to them, it's like a bit of, you know, like a doll's house, isn't it? <laughs> uh, like I say, that was that was the end of it, really. It really did affect me. But uh, I had one in the uh, 27th of September, 2015. Uh, it was in that woods. Uh, obviously, Paul knows about this one. Yep. And uh, I can't say the woods. Um, I've been told not to. I've approached the owner. I had permission because I do a lot of wildlife photography. I had permission to go in these private woods, quite a big natural woods, and uh, I approached him to ask if, because I told him um, I investigate strange things, and they says they don't want this mentioned. So it's fair comment. Yeah. But it was on the 27th, and it was early one morning, and I come across two things in long grass, and uh, I'll, again, I'll cut the story short. Again, when I went into the woods, because I wasn't sure it was, I thought it was a deer at first, and it stalked me all the way down this, there was like... Um, overgrown bracken on my right and it literally stalked me all the way down when i walked it walked then it stopped you could definitely hear it i even went on all fours to try and look under the bracken uh, the stench was absolutely unbelievable yeah it was like wet dog type of urani dungy smell it was really potent uh, my ears were stood on the back of my neck and everything with everybody saying didn't you get a photo didn't you get a no blooming didn't get a photo no you know <laughs> Well, I got over there pretty sharpish after a bit, after I realised, because uh, I just saw a black mass. I got to the end of these uh, overgrown bracken, and I was just like, I couldn't make any features out, that's the problem. But it was a black mass, and uh, I mean, I don't know if you read to when I was with uh, Vic Cundiff. Um, actually, in the long grass, there was some big pile of poo, and it was definitely meaty poo, and there was some grass all bedded down, like about four foot across, like something had been laying there, and... Uh, you know, this definitely thing taunting me all the way down. I kept trying to talk to it, thinking it was somebody walking a dog, maybe. But, uh, I mean, nobody's going to be in them woods. So. But, yeah, it does freak you out. It does. But it makes you, makes you want more. With the landowners wanting to keep it quiet, do you think they had a, an inkling that something strange was going on down there? I don't know. I didn't actually tell them what I'd actually seen. Um, I just said that I had some strange occurrence in there. And I made it sound a bit... Or a normal type of thing, and he says, look, we don't want this type of um, publicity because it doesn't go with our type of product. That They actually they run a business from there, and they just don't want it. So I thought they Yeah. Have you got any more um, Dogman stories you want to share, Paul? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, They're not uh, all mine. Uh, we've, we had a bit of an experience this year, um, either... 
late 2016 or very early 2017, I ain't got dates in front of me, and I was with a guy called Andy Ramsden, who lives in Hornsey. Um, he, he wanted to come through and go to Bempton, and uh, anybody who knows me or you've probably heard me talking about this area, the steep cliffs at Bempton, two to four hundred foot at, in, at various heights all over. And we set cameras up because we were trying to film these lights that had been seen over at sea, and it was a dark night. And I've got this Sony camera set up on its tripod. I'm sort of looking around area, and suddenly something, it, it appeared to come from edge of cliff. I think I've told you this story, Colin, haven't I? Yeah, you have, yeah. And I, I just couldn't understand it because the sheer of these cliffs, there's no, you, you, can't, you can't get down them. They're inaccessible. You'd have to go on ropes. And it just sprung up. It was cream-coloured and it was dark. And it was on all fours, though. It went on two legs. But it went like mad. And there's a 42-inch high fence, three bar. It must have cleared the fence because it were off up the field. I'd have said it were a deer, but it were heavy on its feet. I were point, and I'm pointing to it and as it's going because you know, it were like, like it were only because I'd seen it as it were going into the distance that I could still see it. I kept my eyes on it, trying to tell Andy where it was. He he didn't see it. Now. I just can't get my head around what it was because, it, as I say, it was cream-coloured, it was, it was big, and I'd have said a deer, but it, a deer would not come up from edge of cliff like that. Now, what makes it interesting, it started to drizzle. Well, so we'd been there another hour, and we, we packed his gear up, I put cameras away, and we start walking up path towards Nature Reserve Car Park. Got a big uh, so headlamp, you know, them Cree headlamps, you know, big, powerful beam, puts it across... Just sweeped it across field, bosh, straight onto some white, almost pinky white eyes, big eyes, big bigger, I would have said, than human eyes. There's no fences, it's just in field. And we're both looking at it, what the hell's this? Andy got a bit nervous, I mean, if, he's li- if he listens to this, he'll admit it himself. And he says, come on, let's go. I thought, no, I'm not, I am not av- going. Maybe a bit foolish, dropped box down, got a camera out. Not suitable foot job. It were a Canon camera. We, you, what kind of camera is it, Colin? Because you've seen that camera. I'll get it to my oh, wife. Well, I can't remember now. No, I think it's a D1200. <laughs> That's it, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I switch, switched it on, and I started walking across field towards this thing. Now, it just sort of, it weren't even bothered. It just dipped its head down and then sort of lifted it up. I swear we could see it blinking, and Andrew shouting in distance, come on, let's go. Turn back, Paul. No, turn back. So... Next thing, it's gone. I'm looking at, looking back and asking Andy, has, has he seen it? And it's moved further back, but still stood looking at us. So I carried on walking. Before I knew it, I'm in the middle of the field. And as I swept around to talk to Andy, Andy says, there's another pair of eyes further up. Now, we thought it had moved. So I sort of looked again, and it's, back, it's in the same spot, these eyes. And they're off ground. I mean, I'm, I'm only short, me. I'm only five foot six, but this thing has... Hi, it's off ground. It's not like a rabbit or a badger. We see fox. We know what we're looking for. We're not, we're not David Attenborough, but we had, we, had, we know what we're looking at in dark. Do you know what I mean? So, I sort of got a bit twitchy and I turned back and I got get on path. When I got on the path, this bloody thing had come back, and it was where it was originally. But what we couldn't understand was we couldn't see an outline. We could only see eyes. Yeah, we could see all grass, and with that, it lowered, and it's, I swear it got on its belly. Whatever it was, were, were looking at us 
from low down. Originally, it was stood up and it was quite high. But whatever, whatever it was had got down on its stomach. It were almost looking at us from between grass. And, but the eyes were massive. It, like Andy said, he says, that's a big head, that. Whatever it is, it's a, it, like a cow's head. Do you know what I mean? But there's no, there's no cows in field and there's no sheep. There, there is some area of Bempton. That's to the right of us. So that was the only experience that we've had that sort of recently. I mean, you go into Dane's Dykewood, there's some interesting things to hear more than see. And there's branch structures in wood that that are so subtle you don't even notice them until you do notice them and then you're on them if that makes sense uh you know once you so what sort of uh, tree structures we're talking about well you'll you'll get a fork in a tree we'll have three foot up four foot up six foot up and there'll be a black branch laid in the fork of the tree at about 45 degrees down to the floor and you think is it is it something that's fell but then you when you look round you tune into them they're all over that wood. Yeah, they're all. It, you've seen them calling on you. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over. I made a mistake of moving them. I wanted, maybe a mistake. I, I would. It was a bit of an experiment. I wanted to see if they'd come back, and they have come back this year. But they didn't come back first year. It's not kids doing it. It's. I'm pretty sure of it because you have to. Some of where they are, you have to go into brambles and, and like, or not inaccessible areas, but areas where uh, that are off the path. There's these strange structures. Obviously, you do get lads and children making things in woods and doing stuff. So they can't be responsible for everything. But these, these what we'll call branch structures. I've seen them at um, Flixtonwold as well. And I dare say you've found things like this, Colin, have you? Yeah, I've found several. I mean, we've, we've both seen them at that um, Dane's Dyke. But, at uh, Dane's Dyke? Yeah, different woods that are going uh, several. I've, even them private woods, there's structures in there. He, it's like you say, Paul, you, you don't notice them if you pass them, but you've got to look. And when you see them, you know what you're looking at. Well, yeah, once you know, and the, the archways, there's like a branch pulled over in an arch. And you, you sort of walk past these things every day. And then all of a sudden, it sort of, it, it sort of, not the word really, it hits you. And then you're looking for them. I've been pictures of them and, uh, uh, just to make sure for reference because you'll come back into wood and there'll be another one and the, the, there's a lot this year uh, I noted that they came in in February I, I, that might be something to look at Colin because I'd, I removed them the, uh, the year before or two years ago I wanted yeah, I to see you. whether they were coming back yeah I remember you telling me that yeah and, and strange noises in there because you're in the middle of nowhere so to speak and you've got no traffic nothing apart from what should be birds and just with I mean, uh, to, sorry, breeze and what have you, but you can get an high-pitched buzzing noise. And there's, there should be no reason for this noise to come. And I've also heard, can you, it's trying to give ex- examples of what the sound's like. Imagine sheets or bed sheets wafting on a line in a heavy wind. You know, and I've heard that noise. I don't know, and I don't know what it means. I mean, I, we, we can't attribute it to dogmen, I'm, but... Once I mean, you've again, had a tree knocking as well, haven't you, Paul? You've had it. I've never experienced that one. But. Yeah, Flixton, that, that really sort of puzzled me. That I decided to spend a day at Flixton. I took my little dog with me. And I'm walking through Flixton Wold, up, up in wood. And literally, <laughs> at side of me. Just at, and, and I'm thinking, 
Uh, well, I just looked around and, and I'm thinking, is it two trees that are banged together up top with wind? And it wasn't. Uh, and it were right next to me. Uh, it, but it were, real, it were a real hollow. You'd need a lump hammer to make that noise on a tree. Do you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it were like hardwood hitting hardwood, if you know if you if you know what I mean, and uh, I could never work that out. And then I don't know. I should think six months later, I went again, and I took granddaughter. We just had a wander around wood one day, and in the same area where we heard the tree knocks, we got this vile smell like sulphur, rotten eggs. It would, and it was just in that area. And it's worth noting here as well that you know the stories of the the uh, beast of Bamston Drain. Uh, well, they call it the old stinker, don't they? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if you realise that but that's probably been pulled from Flixton because original story is years old at Flixton. They call it yeah, old stinker. twisted that much, in it, Paul? You see? Well. Yeah. I don't disbelieve that the lady's seen something. This is not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock her story away, uh, but, you know, they t- within that story, they talk about... Yeah, well, within the story, they talk about it attacking a timber wagon, don't they? Uh, yeah, well, it, that isn't. That's no. They, they dragged that to Bamston as well now with the Bamston drain beast because I've, <laughs> I've, I've read what it's, it, and it, it sort of spoils the stories because it's hard enough for people to get their head around what we're looking into, isn't it? Was that timber wagon attack recent? No, no. the timber wagon. Timber wagon were nineteen seventy, weren't it? Nineteen seventies, yeah. and there were a stagecoach. It's alleg- allegedly attacked. There's there's lots of stories attached to Flixton. I mean, there's a recent one, uh, a farm just out of Flixton at Fulton, where a guy, the farmer, I'm not going to say his name, he's got horses in a paddock on, on SEMA cars, and that's, that's that area of flatland. And he claims that all the horses come to one end of the paddock, and he went to see what were up. They were twitchy and sort of nervous. And there's a large, upright man covered in hair running across the SEMA cars. Now, he said it stopped at one point and squatted down, just just and then set off again. Now, now I went and took some photographs at area, and what's interesting once again is where it disappeared. It went up into what's called Spell How, uh, you know, the burial mounds. Uh, I didn't realise it was Spell How at first, and there's fairy, there's there's Elf How up there as well. So you've got all these uh, allegedly magical places. And this thing's actually disappeared into the wood on Spell How. Uh, I mean, they, the farmer didn't say it went up into Spell How. It went up into that wood. Now I've sort of researched location. That wood is Spell How. And that's where it disappeared. Uh, just, just interestingly, I don't want to jump in here and take over Colin's talking as well. But just interestingly, it was seen in 1940s by two young lads. And they saw it. At Sharp How, which is the, a group of burial mounds at the top of Staxton and Flixton Wold, the seven bar- burial mounds, it's known as a Barrow Cemetery. And these young lads saw that. You know, I mean, it, it makes you wonder what the connection is to the burial mounds. And then if you want to jump into uh, Native American Indian folklore and they think they're guardians of the burial grounds. So it does kind of make you wonder... Um, but I mean, what is it you always say about burial grounds? I don't know. What do I say about burial grounds? You know, <laughs> where there's a burial ground. Oh right, yeah. The, where there's a burial ground, there's always military bases and hence UFO activity. And, Absolutely, and yeah, all, and all this stuff that goes along with it. Yep, yeah, abs- everything. 
you're right. No, you're right. Because, I mean, at the top of Sharp Howe, if you look across from Sharp Howe, you've got RF Staxton World, oldest radar base in the world. It's still operational. If you, where we saw that thing, I would just call it the Ice Shine Beast, because, or, or call it the, just the Ice Shine Animal, or whatever it was that me and Andy Ramsden saw. If you look across from there, you've got disused RF Bempton. So, so you're right in a way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Paul, was these uh, branches, was they all uh, facing the same direction? No, they're not facing. No, they're, they're pretty random, but they're all in the same concentrated area. You know, they're not everywhere in Dane's Dyke Wood. They're, and I mean, I, there's even one. I don't know if you saw that one in that, that ditch, Colin. Did we look at that one? Where all branches were just laid in the bottom yeah. of the ditch That's at right, about yeah. 45 degrees. And, and there's the water in bottom at ditch, so you kind of think, well, they've not fell there. They're all placed. Oh, they're definitely just, placed. Yeah. yeah. And then they're not logs, uh, Lee. They're, they're sort of, I don't know, about two inch round. Would you say they was all from the same species of tree? Well, I should think so, yeah, because it's limited to what we've got in, in the actual wood, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? It's just a sort of sycamore and, and other things. Yeah, Paul, what do you reckon uh, these are? Are these territorial uh, markers or...? I think it's mar- I think whatever it is, is marking a territory or maybe. I, I, I don't know. There's got to be a reason for everything, aren't there? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the um, territory marker because, um, I mean, most canines use, use you know, pisses to mark yeah. territory, don't yeah, they? So, yeah, um, I don't know. There's something that's weird... Well, would you think that that's another thing that leads me then away from flesh and blood? So if this thing's urinated, you would think, I mean, my little dog wanders around. If anybody's seen it, a, a big rabbit would frighten my dog. Do you know? So, <laughs> I mean, if it come across something that's cocked its leg again, a tree, because they, they, they can, to them, that urine's leaving a message and leaving a, a signature of what it is. You'd think it'd be frightened, wouldn't you? Would you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm back. Hey, there's a bit of a pun. Maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> but what do you all think, Colin? I don't know. You could be right. But I personally think they're like uh, some type of stayover, like uh, something to bed down for the night or even a couple of hours or take its prey back to them. I mean, I, I mean I've looked into a few of them, but I've never found any bones or any evidence of something being killed. Yeah, that's. Uh, why aren't we seeing that? Why? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I mean, I have come across a lot of deer that's been really mutilated, but I mean, I yeah. can't really put it down to anything apart from the big cats, which you know I'm into as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Um, on about old stinker, Paul. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason it got its name is because of the sulfur smell. That's right. Yeah. And uh, just going back to the uh, gentleman who saw that hairy beast in with the horses. I yep. mean, I mean, I discussed this what about fortnight ago about East Heselton. I'm just looking into them footprints. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, we well, apparently two years ago in East Heselton, in a farm. Um, I won't say its name yet because I haven't fully investigated it. But uh, I did well. I approached a gentleman because I noticed he had a lot of trail cams up, and uh, I asked him if he caught anything unusual, and he says what like so. I grabbed the bull by the arms and told him what I'm into. I'll give him one of my cards. I've got some cards printed. So he just says, I'll tell you what, about two years ago, he says, up the field up there, around the barn, he says, we had some footprints. And he says, I don't know what the heck they are. The dog prints. 
about six to seven inches across. Yeah, that seems uh, well out of range from uh, dog footprints. Yeah. He says he followed it. You could see where it had come all the way down one field, gone round the barn to the house, to the window, come away from the window, down the back of the barn into another field and gone. He says you could actually follow him. I did say, was it on two legs or four? And he, he didn't really look for it. It didn't click to look for that. Uh, he was with the gentleman. I said, did you get any photos? He said, no, I didn't, but he might have done. So I'm trying to trace him at the moment because he's moved away. So we're just looking into that at the moment. It's interesting. Which is not fast. Paul's, you know, friend, it, it's the same area. Uh, yeah. uh, you could throw a stone. And what's interesting about this area and, uh, and these areas is that they don't just produce these stories, like you said, they produce stories of uh, big cats that aren't native to the UK. And I've, I've got one a few weeks ago. I know we're sticking with Dogmen, but I've got one a few weeks ago from Ganton, which is probably just two or three miles from Staxton and Flixton, where a, a couple camping for night, you know, regular campsite, actually saw what they thought were a black panther. And, they, you know, they took some pictures of it. That's annoying, as with these pictures. Not their fault, but the vague. It's hard to tell. Is it a great big black cat? <laughs> or is it, is it a genuine... You need something at the side of it to give you some kind of reference. And Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I know someone that uh, bumped into a, a black cat on a roadside uh, in the Lincolnshire Walls. He was just uh, stopped to look at an engine block someone had discarded, and this thing... Almost brushed up against him as it walked past him. Uh, he turned the torch on it, saw its eyes. So yeah, I know they're out there. Really, I'm I'm going to have to go in a minute, but I I will come back if you're still on. But obviously, don't wait for me. But I'll be back as soon as I can. All right, Colin. See you, lads. Right. I, I, Thanks, pal. No, I'll be back. Yeah, you're going to have your chicken dinner, mate. <laughs> I know, could have shared it, couldn't I? <laughs> But I'm about um, big cats. I've seen three. You've seen three? Three. I saw one in 1985. I thought it was a short-eared Alsatian. I was in my car. Uh, the job I did at the, the the time, I was an engineer, and I had to be there at five every morning to start all these machines up. And uh, it was back of Bruce, uh, which is not far from Winsey on the East Coast. And I just come down there, put my main beams on. The eyes glowed like golden nuggets. I thought, bloody hell, somebody's walking their dog like. So I dipped my beams, and it's walking down the middle of the road towards me. The closer I got, I thought, what the heck is it? <laughs> I mean, at the time, if you said to me there was big cats in the UK, I'd, I'd, I'd have laughed you out of the, the room. like. And I just couldn't think what I was saying. I thought, the best way I could put it to was with a large, short-haired Alsatian with a long tail. And I, I got up to it, stopped the car, and it just stood there looking at me. The next minute, it jumped, it cleared. It must be a six-foot gap and a seven-foot hedge because I went back to measure it. It was absolutely unbelievable. I just couldn't believe it. I got to work. I told the guy I was working with called Andy, and it, he says, nah, it's got to be a dog. I said, I don't know what the heck it was like. Anyway, that was it. I just let it go. Where was that? That was at uh, Roos, just outside Wednesday. That was in 1985. And I saw one in 2000. Um, that was at Salt End. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Salt End, the big pea place. No. Uh, well, I was walking down there. I was with camera. I had my camera, funny enough, and I didn't get a picture. Uh, and this, there's an old disused pond, and I just heard these rustling. I thought, oh, fuck. And make this thing come out 
and I, I knew what it was as soon as I saw it. It seemed to just glurt, glurt me and sort of say, morning, and walked across and went in this field, and I was just gobsmacked. Then again, three years ago at uh, Out Newton, uh, I went to photograph a bird. Somebody reported, I saw on a, a podcast uh, on a, a website that a bird had been taken up there, so I worked, so I started to work, I went up there, and I saw this deer. Funny enough, I was walking up this track, and I saw this deer running towards me. I thought, bloody hell, that seen me like. So I just stood really still, nearly all poised with my camera. Then it saw me, and it darted off in the other direction. I thought, and I put my camera down with that. Something outside of me, it must have been no more than six feet, just walked across again. This was smaller than the last one. And it just looked at me again and went down in this long corn grass. So I thought, blimey, that. It, I mean, they... It, it, it appeared no fear, you know, and I, I was—I wasn't even scared of it. I just. Yeah, I wonder why they don't attack people, uh, you know, more often. Yeah. I think there was one case, wasn't there, in Wales, where there was a lad uh, went to get his ball and and scared a mother with cubs, and she attacked him. That's right. That I remember that. I read that. And then obviously, yeah. obviously the army's been out and the police have been up hunting a few yep. times looking for him and that. Yeah, I think they know where they are, but the. Uh... Yeah, I know the Mar- Yeah, that's right. I know the Marines have looked for it, and they've had, they've got some really, well, they've, had, they've got it like um, sounding out, and uh, but they couldn't find it. Yeah, so if these uh, big black cats can uh, survive out there, you know, and uh, you know what what are they? They're living okay, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, what what's dogman? I mean, what what is dogman feeding on? Yeah. I mean, is it is it killing animals? Is it killing people? You know, what we don't know about, what's not told about. Yeah, I mean, people have asked me, you know, what do these dogmen feed on and all like that. So, but, I mean, I've done a lot of research in this. Um, I mean, the best researcher is Paul. You can't get any better than Paul. He's absolutely fantastic. But, well, I don't know, but I've done. I've been on a, a government website and I've actually talked to a guy from the government. But this is just a rough figure that he's submitted to me. And I'm not saying they take people. But I'll I'll give you the statistics that I've got in front of me. So 175,000 people go disappearing every year. All right, it's he says 140,000 are under 18, and roughly about 70,000 turn back up. Also, 70,000 he says pets go missing, and 90,000 livestock go missing. Now some of that's rustling, some of it's not reported, so the figure could be high. So it makes you think, really. It's a lot of stuff. Obviously, we don't have too much predator-wise in the UK that could do this. I mean, a fox, stuff like that. Fox badger, yeah. Yeah. So do we know, when we talk about this livestock, do we know what we're talking about? We're talking about sheep, goat, cattle. I mean, does it range the whole gambit? It's just just a general livestock. Um, I don't know if it was cows and that. It says some of it's rustling because it's obviously, um, it goes under people stealing cattle. And apparently a lot of it goes on in Britain. Um, I did have a, a woman contacted me um, and she had it all her chickens taken. And apparently her door was ripped off. I said, I said well, that rules a fox out then, doesn't it? <laughs> Not many foxes do that, really. Yeah, were the uh, chickens dead in the coop or they were, uh, were they taken? The chickens were taken. Uh, I asked if there was any footprints, but she couldn't see any footprints, which I found a bit strange, really, but... Uh, I guess a fox could hide them. They will, they'll stash them, little foxes. There's not many uh, foxes that can open locks, though, is there? 
that's it. Yeah. So uh, how do people get older then? Where do you get these uh, stories from? I reach out to people. I ask people. People have contacted me through um, my email, um, especially when they listen to Vic. Um, but I'm, I must have handed my card out. I've got my cards pinned up all sorts of places. Um, addresses, supermarkets, you know, you name it. And I get all sorts. I get some crackpots as well, to be honest. I mean, me and Paul do, to be honest. But it's uh, another story. Um, I think which is a good one. I'll tell you that one on the mowers if you want. Um, I've got a gap. I'll try and get the date. Sorry, please just excuse me because I've got that many reports. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll give you this hit and run one. I've got a woman that uh, hit one. Uh, excuse the rustling. Uh, yeah, this was a hit and run on the 1st of September 2000. I call it hit and run because I'm, I'm doing a book. Um, I mean, it was many years away, but uh, yeah, was, um, I can't give the name because the lady is quite high up uh, down south. She's got iron job, uh, even though she says it probably won't, you know, cause any rift in my job. But she says, I think there's one or two people a bit higher than me that would look down at me and I don't want it, so, which is fair comment. I don't know the iron job. I, I believe it's something to do with magistrates, but I just left it at that. That's a fair comment. Uh, so I won't mention yeah. him. Yeah. But she, this is on the 1st of September. She'd been to a, like, um, a close party with friends in Duffield, and uh, time got on, and, on, and I did ask her the question. I said, look, I, I said, I don't want to ask you this really, but I've got to ask her, was you drinking? She says she had a, a glass of wine when she got there. Then she obviously she didn't believe in drinking driving, which is a good thing. And uh, she, she stopped on coffees all night. She got there about half eight, and then she left about about one o'clock. She says. Anyway, going home, she's lived at Staxton Hill, where Paul does a lot of investigation. Where um, Staxton Werewolf or Staxton Woods there, the RF Bempton there, yeah. uh, not far from East Heselton. Where I'm doing the investigation with the uh, the the prince, but she lived there and she was heading home and she come down to a place called Rudson Parva, which is just outside of Bridlington, and it goes down into a dip then it climbs up to a hill, and she's coming down the dip, and this she says this thing just ran out in front of her, so she hit a brake, swerved, she clipped it, and she said, oh, bloody hell, I've hit somebody, so she got out of her car like and she saw this thing, she says it's just like a load of bin bin bags on the side of the road. Oh my God! She says, "What have I hit?" And with that, he says, "It just started to come round and got up." And she says, "She just absolutely pulled herself. She just jumped in a car, floored it. No seatbelt on that." She says, "She got into bread. She was absolutely shaking, crying. She couldn't control herself." Anyway, she rang her dad, and uh, her dad, well, she told her dad where she was, like, and she said to her dad, "I think I've hit somebody. I think I've knocked somebody over." So her dad get, jumps in his car, goes down to her. Anyway, he, he said, I, "I spoke to her father." So it must have took him about a good 15, 20 minutes to calm her down if she was in a right state. So he says, look, do we call the police or do we go back and make sure you know there's nobody laid there? Like, mm-hmm. So they decided to go back. She was a bit reluctant, he said to me, and so they went back. Anyway, they parked up, and uh, suddenly as he got out of the car, she says she slammed the locks on on the door. Anyway, he had a flashlight, he said he looked around, but he says he couldn't see anything, no sound of any marks or out. Yeah, I said there was was there any damage to her car? He says she had a blue car and was it's just like something had brushed down it and a mirror was all bent back. Uh, luckily, it wasn't a head-on 
smash. Uh, there was no damage to the car, just back from a few scrape marks. But uh, anyway, he says she was no fit state to drive home. She was actually just bawling her eyes out all the time, shaking. And uh, he took her home, and she actually slept with her mum and dad that night. She was that scared. She didn't want to go to bed by herself. But like I said, can you describe this thing? She says it must be somewhere between six and seven feet tall. It was a werewolf, she says. I say, are you 100% sure? She says, I know. She says, what I saw. It stood up, two legs, and glared at me. So I says, right, thank you. But yeah, that's it. But I've got no further evidence. I've actually been to Hudson Power. There's a house opposite. I've been... Um, can't remember when I went now. It was a big year ago. Uh, knocked on the house, but there's no answer. So I was just wondering if they did hear something that night. Uh, but I am going to go back another time and try and investigate that a bit more. But yeah, I've uh, that one. Guy in the mowers, the two guys working on the mowers. Uh, they come across something. Well, actually, broke into a, those workmen. Um, they was doing some repairs on a bridge. Uh, I've got the times and dates and the location. Um, they had an ISO, you know, these shipping containers. Yeah. Uh, got it got dropped the day before they actually arrived to the work to the to the site, and uh, something ripped the lock off, but not got into the ISO, which they found a bit strange. Nobody, somebody, well, I thought somebody had been in it, but and locked it up afterwards. But the lock was on the floor; it was all ripped off. So it was a bit strange, but nothing was taken because it was all fencing and cones. And anyway, the next day, the uh, they were working on site and stopping on site. So they had this caravan, just two of them. And uh, first day, brilliant. I said, just got on, no problems that night. This is the second night. Uh, they started at half six in the morning, knocked off, he says, about half five, washed all up, got some tea ready, sat in this caravan. And uh, next thing, they had this scraping at the back. Uh, it was a father and son team I uh, forgot to mention and he says dad what's that he says that'll be a rabbit or a fox or something next minute there's some scraping at the side he says there it is again and next minute about another five minutes later he says it was scratching at the door so his dad says oh you eat that he says I'll go see what it is and he opened the door and he says he's just slammed it shut it shouted to his son get in the bedroom dragged him up well they both ran across he locked the bedroom and he says what was it what was it dad what what, what? he says I don't know but it stood there big and black and that's all I've ever got out of him, big and black. And he's, the next day, he reported it to his boss, and this is the uh, working on that site. Anyway, two other guys actually went on the site, um, took over from uh, <coughs> Andy and Paul, and uh, I, you know, I said, were there any more occurrences? And apparently nothing. So that was another strange one. But I've got loads. I've had a lot of... Um... Hey, Paul. Hi, mate. You're right. I'm listening. I'm just don't want to. Yeah, sorry, Paul. Uh, I'll just quickly say this, and I'll let you take over, mate. No, um, I'm happy. It's great. Fire away. It's interesting. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of. I mean, Paul. Paul's had the same like reports, but I've had a lot of poachers. Uh, some really interesting ones. Uh, poachers. I've had one poacher. He had two occurrences in a week uh, with something uh, that scared him absolutely senseless, and then I've had another one. He come face to face with this thing. Uh, I was telling Paul about that other uh, one just outside of Brid. Uh, he, he, he just sat down in the edge. He was going to get a rabbit before it got so dark. And uh, he just snuggled down in the edge. He, he wears camo all the time, every time he goes out. 
And uh, he says, who's there about 15, 20 minutes? And next minute, yeah, this hell of a noise. And then they looked over across to the other side of the edge and they says, something big, black, on all fours is running down the edge. He says, I watched it for about two minutes. And so we got to the other side of the field and it went under the edge. He says, I had a, that was no deer, no dog. He says, I don't know. The heck it was, he says. But I mean, uh, I mean, like Paul, we, we get reports all the time. We, we try and follow them up the best I can. Yeah, I'm a bit limited with time. Uh, Paul's got a, a bit more time because he's self-employed. But uh, a lot of the time, you know, they don't. They, they want to tell you initially, and then they sort of it, it falls away. That's right. We've had a lot of problems with this, haven't we? We've, we've yeah. discussed it well, but you, you get a, Sorry, a snip Paul. of in, No, it's fine. You get a snip of information off somebody, uh, just a hint of it. They they tell you, and then it then you get nothing. I'm trying to fix an interview up with for Chris Turner, who's doing that. Dogman uh, yeah, yeah. documentary with this guy who I'll just call Rob who lives at Grindle and Rob's 66 years old he's a he's an interesting guy he's, he's sort of great big chunk of a man like a real sort of hard case in his time do you know what I mean and he, he, he says that he did a lot of poaching that's what made me think of it when Colin were talking about poaching then he says, and in this particular wood where he, he would on a state where he shouldn't have been. Anyway, we his mate. He says, and you were all as guaranteed pheasants, hare, rabbits. He says, you'd all us come back with something. He says, but there were nothing in me traps for, for about two weeks. He says, and there were evidence that some things had actually been ragged out at traps, leaving traces of fur and, and like bits of muscle and stuff. So they'd been ragged out of these traps, or just like an head left. Been, uh, a rabbit's been ripped out of a snare. So it, it was confusing him. He says, and then one particular day, <clears throat> and he's, I've spoke to this guy numerous times, and I record him. His story hasn't changed. He says, it, there was snow on ground. It's just out of Grindle. Um, and he says, I'm looking across some fields. I've got my mate with me. And there's a big hawthorn hedge he says and there's a bank going up to the hawthorn edge of three foot and then edges backing onto that he says so it's got to be ten foot tall this including the bank he says and this thing jumped over the edge he says if it hadn't jumped over if it had just ran they might not have sort of noticed it but it jumped over edge it's, and it's Flamber and Bridlington taught this he says and at first I thought it were a young horse meaning horse and he says, and we're looking at it, and we can't believe it jumped over. It had got a face like thunder. He says, and it was, it were eyeing us up as soon as it jumped over, but it cleared this 10 foot. He said, and it landed on all fours. He said, and it, it, he'd never seen anything like it. He says, at first I thought it were a young horse. He says, but then I realised, he says, I thought it's, he says, I thought it were a lion. He says, I'd never seen it like it. He says, but it weren't a lion. He said it was the same colour. He described having a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, that brindle, that brown brindle colour. He says, and this thing's just on all fours, and it's down, crouched, looking at us. He says, and it was huge. He said, and it were all front. The reason he mentioned the lion, he says, picture a lion with mane, and this taper off at the back. You know, he says, he says, but it didn't have a mane, but that's what it was like. It were all front. He said, and it's just glaring at us. He says, and my mate starts whistling to it. He says, he says, and I'm in a edge. He says, I, I says, I clicked I hold of him. He <laughs> says, and I, I were in edge bottom trying to get a fence stake. He says to, to protect myself. He says, but I've had no chance against this thing. He says, but it, as fast as we saw it, it just turned and it were away. 
but he'd never seen anything like it before or since. And that's on a private estate close to Grindle. And no, 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 not at all. He didn't think that it were aware of them at first. It just appeared. It launched over, but it knew they were there just about straight away. Uh, I asked him if because he, he said there was snow on ground. I said, well, "Did you go and look for prints?" He says, "No." He said he went back next day though. He says we are gone. He says, but not to shoot it. He says I didn't go to shoot it. He says if he hadn't bothered me, I wouldn't have shot it. Uh, he said, but I just felt like I needed that protection. Uh, he says, but there were nothing in my traps. He says for weeks. He says, and then they saw this bloody thing. He says, and and so I've, I've sort of wrote about it. And I call the story Lion Dog because he describes it as looking. All front, monstrous shoulders, great big head, landed on all fours, but it, he says it was slimmer at back. He says, so you picture a lion that's all... Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, and I've spoke to Rob numerous times about this. I've got him on, I've got him recorded every time. He doesn't mind. Although if he speaks to Chris Turner, what you're going to get is, is probably a, a chap talking... Uh, he's backed at camera. He don't want. He don't want to be on camera. But uh, it never stood up at any stage. It were on all fours all the way through. Yeah, mate. Yeah, but uh, he couldn't believe it. Isn't it strange that it didn't attack him? I don't know. It is weird, isn't it? it wh- why they don't attack? Because they'd be fair game, wouldn't they? I mean, it's a big, o- big old lad. Is Rob? I mean, he'd be six foot two and probably. But that- I mean, if you got that close to a, you know, another wild animal like a bear or. Or you know, a mountain lion or something like that. You're ripped apart. Yeah, you're gonna get. Yeah, gonna get. You know, if that close, you're gonna get attacked. Yeah, yeah. I need to add though, they were at the other side of the field, but they could see it clearly, and it could see them. He says, and my mate started whistling it. He says, and I clipped over him. I says, if he says, well, I swear, he says, if that fucking thing comes over here, mate, he says, you're getting left with it. He says, and I'm in bottom of an edge, <laughs> trying to get a fence stake, and his stories remain the same. And I, I believe that. Yeah, why did he whistle it? Stupidity. Stupidity, absolute stupidity. He says it frightened. Rob said it frightened him to death, made him think twice. And he's he's come out with a few stories. But what people have got to understand is these stories, like the ones Collins collected and the ones I've collected. Sometimes people think, oh, let's go to Bempton, we might see something, or let's go to Woods where Collins is going, we might see something. These things are that infrequent. The, the, you they know, the years and not see a damn Paul, can't they? It's, that's right, mate. Yeah, you know, there's that. There's that. There's such long gaps between sightings that doesn't mean it's not happening because these areas once again keep producing these these strange stories. But uh, you know, for for anybody whoever listens to this and thinks, oh well, let's get to this area. We're going to see something. Let me tell you. I mean, we've been to Bempton two or three times a week on a night. Since October this year, we've been doing it before that. But October, just give you an example, we've seen these light forms once and seen this strange creature that come up from edge of cliff. Could have been a deer, I could be mistaken. But I don't know how it come up from edge of a 300-foot cliff. And that's not an exaggeration. These cliffs are sheer 300-foot drops. Anybody who wants to Google Bempton, it's there to see. So I don't understand how that thing came up from edge of cliff. And then later that night, we saw these big bloody pinky white eyes glaring back at us in that field incidentally it feels called the lays you know with ley lines connotations and things i'd love to i'd love i'd love it to be flesh and blood i really would and it might be colin you know what i mean i, I, but possible, I'm I don't know yeah i'm like you're ev- open-minded where's evidence though of, of carcasses and and mutilation i know you said you've come across deer so yeah that's that's cool but if we're looking at something that's going to weigh let's assume it weighs 300 pounds 
or £250. Because uh, that's another thing I just want to touch on. Yeah, we was calculating this, weren't we? Yeah, you know when people say it was seven foot tall and it must have weighed six hundred pound. With best will in the world, I just don't, I can't see it. Uh, or, or you've, there's, an, I've heard other stories about. It well, we have a, well, we had a certain woman, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't have well, a. Paul, I'll let Paul tell you. It was on its roof. <laughs> yeah, but you know, they, they said this this thing were on roof. It climbed onto the roof and it were walking about on roof. Uh, estimated it. Uh, what well, we're looking at. Four to six hundred pounds, right? Four hundred. And like, I Google a property and address, and it's a it's a council house that is on edge of nowhere. It's end one, so that's cool. But at the clear pan tiles, it should have gone through them. Do you, do you know? Do you know what I mean? I'm a joiner by trade, and I've put roofs on, so I work with roof tilers. And you've got to be careful when just walking about on clear pan tiles. If you, so if I jumped up and down on it, I'll end up in bedroom. Do you know? So <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I, Go on, I was just saying, I, know I did some uh, looking into this, and uh, I think even a you know a silverback, which is what when he stands up about six foot tall, uh, I think even even he's only weighing in at about three hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, it can't be much more different. Yeah, and there's a limit. See, see, we, we, you see, a muscle can only grow. It can't grow any longer, any wider than its length. It wouldn't be able to move. You know, you, you know. I mean, I'm no expert on anatomy, but I know a little bit about it. And quite honestly, if if these thing, if this limb, say, were 18 inch long, there's a limit to how much muscle it can pack around it before it could actually. You know, can you imagine a six foot animal or a seven foot animal that weighed 800 pounds? I just, I don't see it. We're going to realms of fantasy then, and you you look at bodybuilders. Look at Lou Ferrigno, who played the Hulk. Now that guy. Were fairly big, weren't he? He only weighed about three twenty. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and he's, he's, I think he was six foot seven. So, and he, he might have actually been taller, but he, he weighed about three twenty. That's a lot of muscle mass. So, if so, it just kind of went. You, you raise your eyebrows when somebody says, "Oh, it must have weighed seven to eight hundred pound," and it was eight foot tall. And you're thinking, could it actually be Seven to eight hundred pounds at eight foot tall. It'd just be like a, an oxo cube. It's a, do you know what I mean? And, and I, I must sound like I'm, I'm being so negative because I believe. It'll... So it's safe to assume people are just basically guessing, aren't they? You know, at weight. Yeah. Are we? Um, have you heard any more stories, Colin or Paul, about a dogman following you home, or maybe you know going, going home and tapping on the windows or trying the doors? You know, there any stories of them? It's not something I've come across. I've come across... I don't know whether you have, Colin. Fire away with that one if you have. Um, a little bit. Yeah, I've had uh, people say things. They've had tappings, but they're not sure. But, like, going on about um, them two perches, that first one I got off that Steve, that trucker, uh, obviously they, they was in some woods, but they had two sightings within a week. Obviously, the yeah. first one... They got a growl. The, the nuke something was behind this hedge, but they weren't sure what the heck it was. So his mate says, "Let's get out of here." Right. And I went back about a week later, just about a mile from that, and he says uh, there was poaching again on this land, this uh, which I can't see. And uh, his mate says, "Hey, whoa, whoa! Somebody's coming down that edge." And you could you could see it. He says in the in the light. So where there was, he says it's a real deep, dry dike. So he says, "Come on, let's get it in here." And this thing that watched it come all the way down, all the way up to them, stood right above them, 
and there's a tree and he says it just shook this fucking tree like there was nothing there he said this tree looked like it was in a gale force eight and it, it says it just makes awful scream because that recording that we have paul you remember when yeah i, do. I, did, I played him it and he says oh my god he says that's it and i never played him this is what sorry is this daytime you know, these these guys were poaching at half past two in the morning is it the best time at night to see these things then, Colin? Well, I do a lot of my research during the night. I mean, I, I've got a, well, I've got a four before I put extra lights on. I've got dash cams, and I go out and I've. I mean, <laughs> I had a dogman smelling. Was it February Paul? And I was telling yeah, you, you I, tell I, I could have yeah. kicked myself because I went in the opposite direction. And I was telling Paul, and he says, "I've done the same." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it could be just that. You know, if, yeah. these things are, if these things are operating, they're probably going to do it at the most discreet times. Let's let's go with your theory and everybody else's theory that, that it's a flesh and blood, living, breathing mammal. Then well, it's, it's, I mean, so far it's been, it was. Yeah, well, they, so far it's managed to evade detection. So I should imagine early hours at morning are going to be its best time to be moving about. But where's it? Where's something this big hiding? Well, yeah, I mean, you you think it would have yeah, some sort yeah. of den, wouldn't you? It just, yeah, you it's, got, it's got to have a, a place to live underground. Yeah. If it was a, if it was a, a physical beast, I mean, then you wonder about them branches, and they're not branches that have uh, been. P- it's not branches that has fell. Uh, oh no! Yeah, put- so, I mean, these things can't be living in the trees, can they? No, no, not apes, are they? But there's there's not enough Dane's Dyke for definite there's not enough height there's not enough the the trees aren't there's some big old trees in it but they're not they're not same kind of trees and you've also got to think here in UK we don't have that suppleness in branches year round like you'd have in jungles for chimpanzees and gorillas and things you know you know these tree structures and you know these things that you find in in archways and stuff like that it's more associated with uh, Bigfoot Bigfoot isn't it yeah what do you make of that I don't know I mean I've sent a few people these images of, of these what we call them branch anomalies and uh, they've said oh that's like a bigfoot related uh, uh, behavior but i mean and, and hey that's just funny but at flixton world i went to look at some deeds when i was looking into flixton werewolf uh to people who own the spittle inn at flixton because they on their deeds it says uh the, the spittle inn obviously is is now a public house, but it once was a refuge built to protect travellers from an infestation of savage beast. Does Spittle mean hospital? Hospital, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in medieval times, we took, we're looking at 937, you know, this goes back a long way. But, well, what we're saying, yeah, the lady who showed me deeds, the lady, she, who owned the property, uh, I, I don't think they're there, well, they're not there no more, she says, just absolutely random remark she says i think there's a big foot up in them woods and I, I didn't follow it up because i was there to talk about flixton werewolf and stories about it and I, but i just thought about it afterwards i thought i heard them tree knocks there's got this foul smell i thought it's a strange one but I said, once again i just don't think there's enough area to support such a thing but that's but the, you know that's just my opinion but i, I suppose i'm ramming it down people's throat and that, you know uh <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to pretend that I know because I don't. So you might, you might, oh, everybody else might be onto it. Uh, but you know, when you talk to North American Indians, you see that they're they're closer to it, and they say it's a creature that can live between worlds. So if if we went with that theory, then when it's here, it would be flesh and blood. Do you see? That, mm. You know, so so that's that's kind of where I am. Not not some 
myth, not some mirage or uh, apparition of something, which it could be, but maybe if it's like these skinwalkers, then when it's here, it does have to obey our laws and our rules. If, and maybe it could be killed. Maybe it, maybe it is flesh and blood when it's here, but it has the ability to slip into another sphere of existence when it wants. I mean, do you have any stories that give it a more supernatural feel? Mm, no. Well, that one, them, them guys on them trials bikes, Paul, that was, it was following them, wasn't it? They oh, were on mountain sorry. bikes, Colin, yeah. That's uh, a mountain good... bike, sorry. Mountain yeah. Bike. yeah, that's... That is a weird one, that's yeah. A, I'm a good strange you... one. This is at a place called Harewood Dale. Uh, how far is Harewood Dale from us, Colin? It's, it's... Oh, uh, well, 40 you... mile, 40, 50 mile. Something like that, yeah, I'd say something like that. It's, it's, in, no, it's in North Yorkshire, this one. And yeah. these lads were in Harewood Dale on mountain bikes and they were coming down a track. They tell me that they were sort of, you know, all various stages and fire breaks in, in track and everything and it... It were a summer's evening, and they're going down this track, Elf Leather, and one of them just looked to his left, and he he says he told his mates to look. He says, and it were like an upright gorilla. When we say when I say upright, but meaning it, it were just fixed. He says and it was as though it were on a track, and it were keeping pace with us at other side at Bracken. Uh, we'll say thirty or forty feet away. He says, and but it were huge. He says, and we're all crapping ourselves we're going down this track as fast as we can and this thing's just gliding along he says it it, it didn't have, he says he couldn't have been running like he said because we know we he, said, he reckoned all, a lot of bike tracks they'd put in there as young lads and that he says but we'd know he says it must it, to go at the pace it was and where it was following us or pacing us that had been after broken down trees logs, all sorts of things. And this thing never sort of moved uh, in its position, its upright position, and it just went down alongside of them and absolutely terrified them. And it paced them for quite a good time, he says. And then when we got to the bottom, they were a forking track and they just sort of veered off and they'd lost it. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't pace them as in making a noise and growling and snapping or it looked like it were going to go off track and attack them. It was just at the side of them. The three of them saw that, you know, I mean... And was it was it looking at them? It, yeah, he, he said it was looking at them. But he, he described it as looking like a gorilla, more like an upright gorilla. That that were his words, and I think he used the word upright simply because it kept in that position. You imagine someone going down a track like that on a on a smooth. He said it was so smooth, didn't look like it were running. I see, so, there's all sorts of descriptions, isn't there, for these? I mean, I had that one on that golf course where that guy says it was a. Irish wolfhound on two legs. He swears it was an Irish wolfhound. And I've heard one like that as well. That's strange, isn't it? You know? Yeah, you're saying a gorilla. Have, like, again, like you have had one like saying it well, looked like a lion. Well, yeah. You know. yeah, I think it's uh, people see different things, don't they? Their I think it's what their man. Yeah, it could be. You know, maybe there's just more than one type of creature out there. Different types of creatures. Could be. I, I mean, there's... And have you got all else to tell me, Colin? Because I've just got another little story here about the 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 guy that woke up in his bedroom. Oh, that one! Yes, yeah, that's it's a strange very one. Very interesting one, isn't it? Is that one? It's, I've never heard anything like it. No, this I, is, I, uh, I, even I, shocked I, me when Paul was telling me. I need more information on it. I've no reason to disbelieve the story, but I need a lot more information on it. This guy had an heart attack when he was in his twenties, and and it genuinely did, and. 
I know why he had the heart attack or why he says he had the heart attack now. He claims he woke up in his bedroom during the early hours. He said there were two werewolves walking through his room. He says, and one of them walked straight through the wall. He said, but but, let me get my facts right. He said they looked like Anubis, the the Egyptian Egyptian, dog god. Yeah, so he claims that one walked through the wall and the other one stopped and turned around and looked at him. Because he was awake and he was watching it. And it walked to the bed and put its hand in his chest and he had an heart attack. Never told anybody why he had the heart attack. Because there's no, apparently there was no reason for this young, fit, healthy lad to have had an heart attack. Because he hadn't got heart problems and he hasn't now. When we say it put its hand in his chest, I don't mean it ripped his chest open. Its hand just went into his chest. As though, like, like you'd put your hand in water, I suppose, or, or through smoke. You, you know, so whether the story's true... Whether it's just some, some guy's uh, dream, I don't know. Yeah. Wild imagination. That, but, but he did have a heart attack, and he's never told anybody why. And this is, the, this is allegedly the, the reason why. I've got lots more to find out about this guy first. But I just thought... I'd... I mean, this guy's not coming out of loads of different stories, is he? It's his one and only story, and he, he, he didn't really want to tell it. He just he'd come out... You know, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? You know, it's the stuff that happens in these places that you can't attribute to known animals in the location. You know, it's with, with the um, with the high pitched noise that we've heard in Dane's Dyke, and there's not, believe me, there's nothing there, n- nothing to make a noise like that. It makes you wonder because you've heard about them being able to produce sort of an infrasound or and and different different. I mean, we didn't fe- we didn't feel ill when we'd heard the noise, but I mean, I. Our other granddaughter, believe it or not, and my wife, uh, when we heard this, but my wife has hearing aids in, so she didn't hear it. And I said to Cleo, I said, can you hear that? And she said, well, yeah, I can hear it, yeah. And it were just that. That kind of, but, but if you picture that, but more high-pitched. You know, like, you know, like you hear a shrew in undergrowth? We've all heard, you know, feel. Like one of them cat alarms people have. Yeah. Yeah, but it, 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 it just there and constant. I mean, we've got to be careful that we don't attribute everything to 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 be connected to dogman related things. But it is interesting when you've got the stories coming out of these areas, the areas that Colin's looking at, and areas that I'm looking at. That you've got all these little quirky yeah, yeah. things happening at the same time. You know, I mean, I don't know what you think, Col. Yeah, I mean, I've even had uh, lights reported. But, um... Them guys up at um, Waxhaw, uh, two two young, well, they was in the twenties, early twenties. They definitely saw some lights. They thought there was car lights shining in the air, but there could have been something else. There could have been UFOs or something. Yeah. But about fifteen twenty minutes later, they saw something at the side of the road, and it wasn't a scarecrow. Put it that way. Right. So well, you know, it's it's things like that. You think are these things extraterrestrial? That you know, you. you... I, I don't tend to think but that you they do. are. No, well, I don't. Well, you think dogman UFOs and that come to these places for the, for the same reason? I think so. Yeah, and I think location is is the key. That's probably right, why yeah. you. That's why you get the UFO sightings. That's why you get the lights. You know. You know. There's there's, there's something about the location because at Dane's Dyke they've got the it's a hundreds of year old story the led the the ghost of the White Lady at Dane's Dyke. But when you actually break the story down. It's a ball of white light. 
you know, when you have spoke to people who claim to have seen it, and it's not a, the apparition of a white lady, it's a ball of light. On edge of Bempton Cliffs, a lot of rock anglers, uh, there's a stand there at, at Briel Nook, and they, they say that, what do they call it? Oh, uh, there's a, they've got a name for this ghost. Uh, do you know what I mean? Oh, the ghost of big railings. Because it's, you know, Brill Nook's got these big railings around it. They call it the ghost of big railings. When you get to speak to fishermen and actually ask them what this ghost is, because you talk to people about ghosts and they're expecting you to describe the apparition of a man or a woman or a child, it's a ball of light. Do you know what? It's, it's the same at Fimber, just further on into Wolds. Ghosts of Fimber Crossroads, they were an old railway station. But they're only describing balls of light when you talk to people. Doesn't mean they're not seeing them, but it's just strange how, how human interpretation goes from a sphere Everybody of light. things different, don't they, yeah, Paul? I mean, yeah. I've, I've reported sounds, lights, oh, all sorts of things. It's cool. But yeah, it's the way people just see things, isn't it, and hear things. Yeah, they seem to have an attraction with uh, graveyards or certain ancient burial sites. That's right, yeah. It seems quite strange. Yeah, well, don't... For- you might don't forget, like the, 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 these ancient burial sites. Although they're ancient to us, like Neolithic, uh, I, don't, I, I think it's about three and a half thousand year old in it. And then you've got—is it Paleolithic? Uh, about eleven thousand years old. I might be wrong with that one. But the Neolithic—they're old to us. But that land—that land's been there millions of years. And I think that the people who put them burial mounds there knew the significance of that land, and that's why the burial mounds there. Do you know? You know. Yeah, if them ancient people had seen these lights then or seen these creatures, they would be in awe of these things. They'd be, they'd have, and they'd have, they'd, it'd be some kind of gathering place, some kind of sacred place. And, of course, they put the burial mounds on them. So I think that, obviously, the land were there way before the burial mound. That's just, just because we consider them old. They're not, are they? Not compared to the land. You know, I mean... So, so that that could be the reason that we, that we see these lights. And Willie Howe, the burial mound of Willie Howe in East Yorkshire, uh, we'll have to go to that, Colin. Yeah, uh, I've been yeah. to it a few times, but I've uh, yeah. run up to it. That's got loads of stories. Anybody who listens to this, or you lads, Google Willie Howe, and that's right. And there's some fabulous stories attached to it, all regarding little people. And and yeah, you've got to be careful googling stuff like that. <laughs> well, well, Willie Howe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, spell well, it correctly. It's, it, well, it's W-I-L-L-Y, yeah. Yeah. Educational <laughs> sites, yeah. Yeah, we can make a right cock of ourselves if we start looking at that. <laughs> so, no, it's just cool, isn't it? We're just, uh, it's, it's like everything else. You just there's, there's a grain of truth attached to all these st- stories of folklore, isn't there? You know, there's, uh, where did the stories come from? I mean, these go back hundreds of years, some of these stories. I mean, even I've read, but, yeah, I mean, Paul's right. I think it's funny how we get all these different cultures, you know, talking about the same creature. Yeah, yeah, as 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 dog or upright canines, don't they? And the Mayans, uh, uh, you know, uh, loads of people through history and you know, have sort of well, every had, culture in it. Every culture's had connotations to sort of dog, upright dog type beasts. And interesting thing is, <laughs> usually the guardians of the yeah, underworld. You know, and 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 helping people transcend. It's always something to do with the dead. Uh, interestingly enough, the guy, <coughs> excuse me, the guy who saw this creature run across the fields at on, uh, on the Flixton cars, he believes 
in his own mind, he believes it comes when somebody dies or when somebody's going to die. He's, and, and that's his own belief. There's a lot of stories. I mean, when you talk about them, I'm doing sneaky things, there's, an old, there's a story that I wrote about, and it, 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 nobody even saw a dog, man. It's just a farmer walking along the Seema drain, gets to a fence, gets to a gate in the night, and puts his hand on top of the gate to release the snake, and he claimed an hand with claws on it, went straight on top of his hand. No, no dog, no dog man, no Bigfoot, nothing else. Absolutely terrified him. Just out of the darkness, put his hand on it. And that's all he's got to tell about the story. You know? I mean, maybe he was trying to open the gate from the other side. <laughs> I suppose there's that. Yeah, that'd be worth me bumping <laughs> into that. But no, I mean, yeah, I think you could... You, there's a lot more stories out there than what people than what people think it's just that it's such a bizarre thing i mean you imagine people who step forward and tell you a ufo account and this is a little bit more taboo than ufos i mean a lot of people don't come forward because they ridicule i mean that guy that i interviewed on the golf course he just got such ridicule he, he, he didn't want to talk about it you know everybody uh, called him a bloody freak <laughs> last year sorry go on yeah it's like uh if you see uh these creatures on your land i mean would you kind of you know report it or kind of draw attention to yourself that means you'll uh, have the media on your back and the papers i mean it's like crop circles yeah, you know yeah. the farmers will want them you know yeah uh, kept what, out the news so they don't want people trampling no, on, on the land and the yeah, crops just... getting ruined and you've got one of them paul because did it get you in a tractor to go and see it i went to one of my one of my daughters um we're engaged to a lad whose dad had a farm. I've not said name at farm. It's a great big concern. She's not. She's married to somebody else now, but she's not. She's not engaged to him. But I got to see a, a burial mound. Uh, sorry, burial mound. A crop circle, uh, simply because of the connection with Jessica and and son. They knew I were interested in all these strange things, and he approached me and told me that a crop circle had appeared on his land, and I could go and see it as long as I never told anybody. You know, at the time, he says, because I don't want it being a media circus. I'm not having no people running across my land. And we had, I had a, <clears throat> had a Suzuki, a V6, uh, what do they call them? Vitara. And so it, I mean, it weren't the most ultimate off-road thing. But it, you could, if you drove steady, you could get off-road with it. And, but I had to stop and we had to go rest away in a tractor. And all it was well, just a great big circling crop. Nothing, no fancy patterns, no signs, no messages. A great big circle, maybe, uh, I don't know at least 40 foot, but maybe 60 foot rounding crop. But that's all it was. Got to see it. That's why I believe that some of them are real, because nobody else got to see it. I mean, I dare say light aircraft would have seen it if they'd have gone over. But uh, if, I hadn't have, if I hadn't have been Jessica's dad, they'd have never asked anybody else. We had a doubt, never. He was telling me about that um, homeless guy that lived... Uh in the woods there, you know, and he's been hearing some strange sounds coming out of the woods lately, hasn't he? In Dane's Dyke? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's been there probably, oh, nine or ten years now. I've seen him today, funnily enough. Has he told you what he's heard? He, he has, and the noises, are, the noises are increasing. I've not spoke to him about it today. I just let, He's always reading. I just left him to it today. Uh, he's abs- First of all, he's absolutely fully... Compass Mentis, the guy's switched on. He's not, he's not some kind of wino. Uh, he, he just chooses that lifestyle. He's not claiming out of anybody. 
he, uh, people take him food and that. I mean, we take him stuff, but he's just he's just a nice guy. And I was asking him if he'd seen unusual, and he'd seen the big black cat. But he told me that in the early hours, he's he's hearing barks and gruffs and growls, and it's increasing this noise because remember a fox can make all sorts of noises. He says it's loud though, Colin. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the fox can. Yeah, you've spoke to him. Tape as well that noise that howling that we. Yeah, well, you know that noise that you had on tape. Yeah, I told you that Dean Dealtree had heard that, didn't I? Yeah, that's right. The, the security guard. Yeah, I remember that one. At Dane's Dyke, lads, there's a, secu- there's a golf course that runs quite close to it. And they had a bit of trouble a few years ago, and they employed a security guard with his own accommodation. He used to patrol it on a night, Dean Dealtree. And the alleged dogman sounds that were put on YouTube, they got removed, Colin, didn't they? They did, yeah. I've got man, yeah. I recorded them because Dean said he'd heard this sound. He'd never heard anything like it. I mean, he's ex-military. He's a great big unit, and he's got his two staff, isn't he? Wanders about. He says, but once I'd heard that, he says, I went back to flat. He says, I, I, you know, he says I just didn't want to know. Um, and it's no good. Me, it's, I, I, yeah, was, uh, a guy in America reckons he had one at the bottom of his land. So he went down with a recorder one night, and it, this is a, and I took it off YouTube. Yeah, sent it to Paul. There, but I had it on my phone. We kept playing it to people that we met. Mm. I mean, them, um, them two poachers. When I played it to them, he says, "That's it." He says, "That's the sound." Yeah, well, you made. see, I did that with Dean, and he says, "That's the sound. That's it." So Campbell, but, but I bumped into him last week, uh, last Thursday, to be honest with you, and uh, he tells me that he's hearing it again. And he gets mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, this, kid, this guy, once again, we've just been talking about the chap who lives in Dane's Dyke Wood. This guy lives in a police, police riot van, other one, Dean. He don't, yeah, yeah he, he park, he'll just go and park up all over the place. He's got it all done out. He's got a stove in it, everything. He just likes living that lifestyle. Uh, you know, and uh, he, he, that was what he told me, actually. He says, you've, we've got to come. He says, I'm at Ace Thorpe at the moment, he said, which is just out of Bridlington. He says, you've got to come up and see me. He says, that sound, I'm hearing it again. He says, I'm hearing it up back a, back a wall gate. Uh, and it, Was this at night? It'll, it'll be in early hours, I would think, because Dean gets all over the place. It, it, you know, he's out all... He's not doing out wrong, but he's just that kind of guy. He just does his own thing. You know, there's a, there's a farm up at Flamborough, and I got talking to the farmer due to this black cat sighting, and he told me that he has them pods on his farm, you know, like the timber... Uh, holiday lets like like rustic cabin, and he said he said he said he hadn't seen the cat. He'd heard about it. He says, but one of his uh, holiday makers told him that she'd seen this huge black dog. She says she couldn't make her mind up whether it were a dog or a cat, but it was massive at, down on the cliff edge at Bempton, Bempton and Flamborough, because the the two are the, you can't separate them. They're together. Do you know what I mean? And uh, he agreed to talk to me. He said, quite annoying, actually. One of, them, one of them things that me and Colin have just been on about. And then he says, I didn't think nothing of it, he says. And then an, a few weeks later, there was another girl that was stopping there with her husband and family. And she claimed to have seen the same thing, he says. And then I believed her because her dad's a vet. And she's been used to having animals around all the time. And she just said, it was a great big black dog. Uh, but... And I'm not saying it went on two legs either, but it was just far too big 
for any any dog that she'd ever seen. And she she made comment to the farmer, and this other guy made comment to him a few weeks previous. Now, I said, oh, can I get down? I wanted to see if there were any prints or anything. Uh, just leave it a few weeks, which were a waste of time. Then I rang him again. Just leave it a few weeks. Then I rang him again, and I've just give up. You get to a point like that, don't we, probably? Yeah, you do. It's difficult. How many emails can you send? (laughs) Well, I I was supposed to be getting some Coast Guard logs, jumping away from Dogman. Uh, On Thursday, the guy got my phone number. He were all for it. He's got these old Coast Guard logs because it'll it'll show call-outs for lights, what's seen overseas. And I've got about four old logs that he said, this retired Coast Guard, but he's never fetched them. I weren't keeping them. And, And it's his right. He doesn't have to. But what do you do? I think I know where he lives. I bumped into him at a car boat sale, funnily enough, and when we got talking. And, but, and I know where he lives at Speeton, but if I go knocking on the door, you feel like you're pestering, don't you? So it comes back to this, uh, you know, not want people on his land type thing. Well, that is that what, he, that what he's reasoning. He says, I don't want anybody knowing about this. But uh, I don't know. I mean, we're not living in America, are we, with these hundreds and hundreds of miles of continuous woodland? Uh, you know... It's not such a massive wood flickston, is it, Colin? I mean, I should well, some of them. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, uh, I mean, Paul knows, but I used to do a lot of backpacking, a real lot of backpacking. But I've walked across the moors and all over, and I haven't seen a soul. So for something to move around the Britain, I think it's quite easily. Knowing what you know now, would you go back up on the moors on your own again? <sighs> I'm a bit 50 50 on that one. Um, I would be scared. I'm not a, the bravest person, but I want to see something. I want to know what's there, but I don't know. I don't think I would, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, what about you, Paul? Uh, I, I no longer go to Dane's Dyke. Uh, Dane's Dyke, sorry. Uh, Bempton now on a night on my own. And I used to do. I go all over the place on my own. He's even um, slept on a park bench in some bloody woods. Oh, I slept at Flixton Wold. Yeah. Just to get feel all of right. it. Yeah, I slept up. I get, there was a story of a guy seen, uh, once again, a lot of these things, I don't know whether you've come across it, Colin, they get described as looking like, a, a, or being like around the size horse, of a pony, like too, a small horse. Them two guy... in that duck, and that's the story that I, I, I well, I commented on, because he says, right. when they went back in the morning, they he said there was a small horse at the bottom of the field. I said, are you sure it was a horse, a pony? I said, oh, I don't know. Well, this Paul, this story that Paul's going to tell you, just, yeah. This is at Flickston. Sorry, Paul. No, it's fine. He's, he's, and this, this is a guy walking his two dogs early in the morning, close to Spitalin, as it happens. And the, it's, Flickston Walls are really steep. I mean, I think it'd probably go up at least 45, won't it? Easy, yeah. It rises to five, about 500 foot at its highest point, radar base at top. Yeah. And the grass were fairly long, and his dogs sensed some. <clears throat> he said, but they were all after chasing pheasants and rabbits and stuff. He says, but they, they, sort of, they knew. Uh, and he says, and I looked up field, he says, and top at field before you go into Flixton <coughs> and Snackston Woods, there's a three bar fence. <coughs> he says, and I thought, there's a pony in, in field. I don't remember that being there or, you know, when I've been walking, somebody's put a pony in. He says, but with that, it's up on two legs running down field. It's running down the field. He says, and I, I, I'm frightened and I get through edge onto road, roadside and there's a car coming down it's early morning before he'd gone to work he says and this car's coming down he says i don't know why he says i don't know if it was a car or what he didn't get that close to him because it's a big loping field all the way up halfway down the field and then it just did a circle and back up into the woods and now once again that funnily enough that story is about a mile 
from where the farmer at Falkton, because Falkton and Flixton, as I've said before, are that close, you can't separate them. And you, 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 well, you've got the sign for Flixton, and on the other side of it, you've got sign for Falkton. They're, they're just joined. Now, that farmer who saw that thing running across the fields on, on cars, SEMA cars, and ran up into wood, it's about a mile apart. So, so it's, I, we must be dealing with the same thing or a similar thing. Well, then, Prince at East Heddleton is only, what, another four miles up the road? Yeah. So it's, it's the same area. Yeah. I mean, do you find it strange that we don't get reports of um, going round in groups? You know, there seem to be more individual than what yeah, you'd expect than, from, than from canine, you know? No. A pack of dogs. I mean, there was a paranormal witness episode where an house was surrounded by uh, by these things. But I remember that one, yeah. So, do you, I mean, do you get stories of them being in packs? I don't, Adam, I don't know about Paul, but uh, mine are all just one sighting. I've, there's, if jumping well, apart back... from that one in that woods we made, there's two some two things. Sorry, Paul. No, it's fine. Jumping back to Dean Dealtree then, uh, the security guard, that noise, that, that noise it was making, that he swears when he heard that recording, that, mm. it, that it was that. He says, I, I didn't add that, he says, something were charging round woods. He says, and Dean's uh, sort of comparison where he says, have you seen them chimps when they're smashing trees and hitting things and running and going? He says, whatever it was, we're doing that. He says, nah, buggered off back to... Do you mean like a bluff charge? Yeah, a display light. But I, I, I haven't got a first-hand account here and I've not even got ever got to speak to the man, but I'm told, again, Dane's Dyke, there's an old chap who were walking his dogs there one night. He didn't see things, but he thought there was a pack of animals running around in, through trees. And that's the only pack thing I've heard. I mean, it could have been, it could have been a seven deer, couldn't it, charging through trees? <laughs> so so I, don't, I, can't, I can't say that I have. Now, Colin, do you want to talk about the Bigfoot that was seen in Scotland uh, before we go? Yeah, I will. I just want to just add that, uh, and, I mean, I told Paul, but I've got this guy from the Forestry Commission. Obviously, I've got his name and telephone number in front of me. I don't want to go any further than that because it's more than his job's worth. But he contacted me last year. And we had a good chat. Must have chatted for a few hours. And he's learnt to live with these things. He sees things in woods that he goes all over, and he's learnt to live with them. Now, there's one woods, he says, I always take my dog with me. And he says it will not go in. He says he put a lead on it one day, and he says it just literally dug its paws in, and it will not go in this wood. But he says when you're working, you see things run at the side of your eye, or you hear noise, or you hear screaming. He says over the years, because he's worked for you know, this commission for years, like, and he says... He, You've just learned to live with it, but he says, trust me, Colly says, there's something out there, and it's your job to find it. That's all he said to me. He says, I will be in touch, and this was last year, and I'm still waiting. I keep meaning to text him, like, to see if he's got any more stories, but again, like Paul... Have you been there? No, I haven't, because it was down south, this, this particular one, but you f- you feel like you've pestered him. I, mean, I must have sent emails, text messages. Oh, no, it's unbelievable. The contact, yeah, yeah. and they, they seem to disappear, these weaknesses. But sorry, yeah, let's go back to the... Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, that guy that on the golf course, he was in such a tears, really, because it, it just ate him up so much because he couldn't talk to anybody. And it, I felt like I'd, I've just done him a service, really, but he's done me a service as well. Like giving you but a story. Yeah, yeah go on to the uh, the Bigfoot. So this took place in Scotland then. Um, do you want to uh, elaborate on the story for us, uh, Colin? Uh, yeah, if you want. Um, I ain't got the dates in front of me now uh, on that one, but... Um, 
It was about 1986-7. Yeah, it could be somewhere on there. And uh, I was working with this guy, and we, we went to a pub on a night, and we just started talking, and he says, uh, are you into uh, the paranormal and things like that? I said, well, which I do. I mean, I've followed things since I was 14. I used to collect the, uh, the Unexplained magazines. I don't know if you remember them. So I says, yeah, I'm into all sorts. I said, I've got into Bigfoot, blah, blah, blah. He says, uh, I've come across Bigfoot. I says, no. And he says, look. And he was telling me I used to work for this electronics firm. And um, he had a big black Bedford van. And he used to do a lot of deliveries up into Scotland, uh, especially these remote places where you, you go to a cottage, he says, and you looked in, there's, it's just full of looms. But they have a small storage place and a small bed. And that's how, that's how they end the living up there. And uh, what he did, he did, he used to drop off like washing machines and things like that. And they would move on to the next cottage. Somebody would come and pick them up from that cottage. And it's a bit of a complex thing, but he says it's so remote. You, you could drive all day and not see another car. Single track roads all the way. Anyway, he says he got to this spot and uh, he dropped off this, uh, he says a washing machine or something. And uh, anyway, he asked the, the owners if there was any way that he could have a, do you know of a pub where I could get something to eat in that? So the told them it was about 20 miles away. I told them how, how to get to it. And he got to it. And uh, how he saved money, his, his boss used to give him £25 a night, which was a lot of money then. Uh, he didn't have to hand any receipts in. So what him and his uh, his, his wife used to do, he used to, he used to sleep in his van, pocket the 25 quid, use a father of it to get a meal and a pan on a night and pocket the 20. And that's how they used to go abroad. And that's how he used to do it, he says, unknown to his boss, because he didn't have to earn any receipts then. Anyway, he got to this pub, had a meal, a pan, and he heard these guys talking. And he's heard this several times, he says, over the years. And there's people seeing this uh, Bigfoot type of creature. Uh, he's actually talking to some farmers, and they reckon it, it's real. But yeah, these guys talking in the corner while he's having his meal, and one of them says, oh, I've seen it on my land, you know. Hey, it was on my land the other week as well. He says, hey, I've got some prints, and... Oh, there's just, he says that, oh, there's just talking bloody crap, he says. So I laughed at this point. Anyway, he says, uh, he finishes me and he says, look, do you mind if I uh, park in your car park? Well, stop in my van in, in your car park. And he says, no, we don't want that. Uh, if we let you, we've got to let everybody like So he says, about eight miles down the road, he says, there's a picnic area. He says, I don't know if you passed it. And uh, he says, yeah, I saw the sounds. He says, go in there, nobody will disturb you. He says, I can't see anybody disturbing you. Nobody had you, is it? He says, around here. So that's what he did. He says he parked up and uh, he stripped off. He says it's absolutely bollocks naked. And it, luckily, it was one of them vans where you could get out your driver's seat and start into the back. You didn't have to go around. So he says he got his sleeping bag out and everything. He had a torch. He says just starting to get dark and he's reading for about half an hour. He started to nod. He said, oh, that's enough. So he sets his alarm on his watch. And he says, oh, just nodding. And next minute he says, I heard these trees start to crack and bend and branches snapping. He said, what? The bloody with that, he says, this van, he says, my van must have gone four or five foot in the air. He says, something just hit it. He says, I just absolutely shit. He says, I jumped out, out my sleeping bag, jumped into the, the driver's seat, started up. He says, I sped off. Anyway, he says, I drove about 20 odd miles. He says, I come to the service station. He says, I'm still bollock naked in this uh, in this driver's seat, he says. And uh, so he got, he got dressed. So he went across and uh, it was one of the all night bloody petrol stations. So he says to this woman, he says, look, something's just hit me van, and he explains roughly, and he says, look, 
can I just keep down here and uh, can I use your phone? Because I'm, I'm going to have to ring my boss in the morning. So, uh, she, she agrees to it. Anyway, the next morning, he rings his boss. And he says, oh, well, you're going to have to get a police. Uh, he says, I'll get in touch with the police. You're going to have to get a, a crime number, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, the police stand up at the petrol station because he says, I'll stop stop here until you, you ring me back, boss. Anyway, the boss rang him back. Well, rang the petrol station because there was no mobile phones then, really. And... Um, they said, oh, the police are going to come up and see you. Anyway, they actually went back to the uh, site, this picnic area, and he says the, the trees was bent in a V, like somebody had walked through and just pushed them to the side. So I said to him, look, are you sure it wasn't a tank or anything like that? Because I knew there was a lot of military action going on in that area at the town because of friends in the military. And he says, no, there was no tank tracks, no nothing. He says, the, there was just like a V, and the dent in the back of his van, he said, it was like a fist. But anyway, uh, that he says that he says that was the last time he ever did it. Uh, how long had he been in the lay-by there, Colin? Yeah, I don't know, about half an hour or so. So straight away then this happened. It's pretty straight away, yeah. He said just started to nod off. He was reading a book at the time. I can't remember what book he said, but have you got a date for it, Colin? I have, but I haven't got it with no, me. No, I don't mean no. I didn't mean that because it, was... it might be worth putting a freedom of information requesting to ask what military were doing on that date. Yeah, that's a point. I have thought of that, but I thought, well, I ain't going to pursue They're it They're not going to tell you in any detail, but it'll no. confirm whether there were a military presence. Uh, because then you'd be asking, unless it were just a place where they regularly did manoeuvres. Yeah, but he there? reckons he's talking to these farmers and they see this thing regularly. Right, so why what military there? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm meaning, do you see? Yeah, but I mean... Uh, Whatever it was, but I mean, if it was a tank, Paul, it wouldn't. I don't, I don't mean it was a tank. No, I know, no, I know. I, 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 I mean that. Uh, you know, I, I meant were they there with the intention of looking for this as well? Well, I don't know. I know uh, a guy that, well, he was in the tank division. I can't remember what car it is, but uh, I remember him actually a few months before. Funny enough, he was telling me he did a lot of manoeuvres up in Scotland. So I, that's what made it stuck to my mind. I mean, Scotland's a big place. It could be anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I remember telling me, and I was, I was quite really shocked about this. I mean, you, I've read about these things, obviously, in Canada and Alaska, etc. But Do you know if the locals said what it looked like? Um, to be honest, I don't really know. All um, that, um, But it was more Bigfoot than Dogman. Yeah, it was more Bigfoot. They, they called it. I can't remember what they called it, the name. They have a particular name for it, but... um went to Woolley, were it? Sorry? Say that again, Paul. You're breaking up. Woolly. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, that does ring a bell, but I, I can't remember what Chris said. Um, but yeah, he, he just says they've seen it on his land, and he, he often heard people talking about this thing, and he just dismissed it off like a load of bloody ooey. But since that happened, he says it's he, opened his mind unbelievably. He didn't believe in it, he didn't believe in anything like that. It's crazy. Obviously, if it was some sort of fallen limb, there would have been, uh, you know, evidence there and shit, so... But why was the trees in a V? He says there was a line of trees pushed over. But the dent in his van, he says it looked like something, like a big fist had hit it. No, and it did lift the van up. like It wasn't like a, a branch hit in the van. He says it lifted up off the floor. I felt the van go up in the air. You see, that story reminds me of a story that happened to me, actually. There was one night when we went out to see, you know, like you get these, um, what do you call them, these mass uh, shooting star events. Um, well, they've got a name, haven't they? What's it called? Yeah, meteor showers and yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, so I went out and um, 
basically, me and this girl have found this lay-by, in the, you know, just ten minutes out of town in yeah, Kielby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we uh, pulled up. Was watching the sky. Yeah, it was pretty cloudy, so it's pretty shit to be fair. But uh, anyway, we was watching the sky, watching these uh, shooting stars, and uh, all of a sudden there was like a little tap on the van. Stones. Yeah, like a stone. Um, you know, and obviously I first thought it was like some sort of acorn, um, but then it happened again, and now I'm getting a bit. Worried because you know what goes on in laybys. Yeah, obviously you could in the <laughs> middle. Of, thought somebody's watching you or something. You know. Yeah, or, yeah. You know. in, in the middle of the night. Yeah. So um, anyway, after the third time it happened, I, I got I grabbed the torch off her. I told her to stop what she was doing. You know. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, jumped out. Uh, had yeah. a quick look around. Couldn't see anything. Um, and the strange thing was as well, there was no overhanging tree. So well, I initially thought acorn, but obviously yeah, on the, you know, on your car, can't like, be an acorn. Yeah. So. Um, obviously jumped back in, told her, explained what, you know, that was a bit, you know, perplexed like. And then next thing, maybe a minute had gone by, maybe or so, and then another tap on the van. You know, and you can hear it, you know, rolling mm. like. Uh, so obviously we just got the fuck out of there, like, yeah. and uh, never to return. But that's only like, I say, like 10 minutes out of t- town, 10 minutes out of town. So, I mean, what do you make of that? That's possible, that. It is yeah, possible. It's isn't it? It's just quite spooky, isn't it, kind of thing to happen. Have you heard of, like, dogmen or whatever throwing stones? I've never had any. I don't know about Paul. I've never had anything like that, no. Uh, not at all. And big the Bigfoot reports, I know what you want to talk to Colin about. I have, I've not really got anything I could tell you on that, uh, apart from what I was told when I visited Spittle Inn, and that was just an off-the-cuff remark. Uh, and the guy at Howard Dale, that the the lads who were mountain biking. But other than that, I've had nothing that would suggest sort of bigfoot activity. But th- that don't mean it isn't. I've just probably not got not been in right place to hear the stories. Yeah, there'll be so many stories that just never get told. So how many people have had a sighting? I mean, it's not something like you can. Uh... I'm just uh, whipping down to the PlayStation, dear, just to report a werewolf. Okay, darling, don't be long. And then it's not like that type of case, is it? People just keep it to themselves. If you do report, you won't be coming back from the police station. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Do you know, you've just bet me to it, I was going to say that they'll be waiting for him with uh, straitjacket. That's it. I mean, a lot of people don't report these things, do they, really? It's, it's It's just so bizarre. But you see, then you've got, then obviously you've got to think to yourself, if they are coming forward and reporting it, then there's probably some truth to it because who wants to set themselves up to say they've seen one of these things? Do you know what I mean? So there must be like five or six cases for every one you get the report about. Exactly, oh yeah, yeah. doubts, and, and 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 I haven't, yeah, and I ain't got that many. And I'd, I'd, Colin, I'm not compared to what we'd like for amount of digging and amount of looking. So, you know, the Flixton reports took years to to get hold of. And the old guy that started opening up, he said to me, he said, "There's only like five people in this village who are proper Flixton brawn and bred." He said, and the "Rest of them, he says, if you've been here fifty years, you're not local." Sounds like something from League of Gentlemen, doesn't it? But it's just just the way it is, though. And he says, my dad knew about them, my grandfather knew about them, their pa- parents before that knew about it. Didn't say them, said it. Uh, you know, it never talked about 
twos and threes. It was just it, uh, you know. Yeah, it's funny that they say it and not he or she. Have you, have you had any any reports of people seeing genitalia on these things? Because I have all this, the, the the people that have told me about this thing have always given me the impression that it were male, not by what they saw, just its persona and the feel. Yeah, you know the 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 air of sort of atmosphere and energy that it were giving off. But but I've not heard anybody say I think it were female or I could tell it were a male because of you know do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> It's just curious because they see enough some of these witnesses to say it were covered in air, but it, I could see the contours of its stomach, you know, the muscle muscles of its stomach. Yet it were covered in airs, but they don't. Re- you don't hear them reporting genitals. Okay, now you think you notice dog balls? Yeah, you would miss that. Well, you would, yeah. <laughs> it might be the only weakness they've got. They might want to kick in in it, like. Well, thank you very much for coming on, guys. Yeah, thank you, Colin. Thank you, Paul. And uh, we'll uh, definitely have you uh, on again sometime to talk about the UFOs and stuff. Yeah, look forward to that. Definitely. Yeah, we'll give it a go again. And uh, interesting, and I apologise because, as I say, I weren't as prepared as I should be, plus you give me good notice, and uh, Colin reminded me as well. So, uh, yeah, when we do it again, I'll get my act together and we'll uh, be a bit more prepared. I'll not say we, Colin were, I weren't. <laughs> right, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Colin I did, I and, really enjoyed uh, Paul, it. Paul, fantastic, and we hope to have Paul on again soon yeah. to talk a bit more about UFOs next time rather than Dogman. But I'm sure we'll stray into Dogman at some point. Right, f- now we're going to play that uh, sound, what Colin talked about uh, midway through the interview there, where he plays this sound to people that say they've heard Dogmen or the, the scene Dogmen he plays his sound and said did it sound anything like this Ooh. and he plays this particular sound which we're going to play now okay so yep. you've heard the sound what do you think? Again, you know, it is pretty creepy. The only thing I can liken it to, and we've talked about this, haven't we? The only thing I could talk that liken it to is maybe an elephant. But again, you know, this was meant to have been um, recorded by a guy. I think this particular one was recorded by a guy in America, you know, at the end of his back garden. So, I, you know, the kind of rules out of an elephant. Well, but, yeah, unless but, it's escaped from the zoo, but you'd miss an elephant, wouldn't you? Well, absolutely. You'd miss one. You know, you know one's going to miss it. So. Yeah, but you look how many Bigfoot reports get, get chalked up as escaped monkeys you know like i mean how many monkeys anyway that's another subject yeah but um yeah so what do you make of that have you heard anything similar because this is this has been reported that sound particularly has been reported by people that colin spoke to within the uk um so please let us know yeah if you've had a dogman experience just let let us know know. you know yeah if you've heard that noise let us know and you want to come on and share your story about anything paranormal uh then then again you know come on the show just email us or uh Go on the website and you can email us there, or yep. go on the Paranormal Hangout on Facebook. Yep. Come and join can, us. You can uh, reach us there. So, uh, thank you for listening and uh, keep listening and be uh, careful out there. Yeah, you don't have to be. <laughs>